Faith Science Podcast. My name is Todd Bubbles, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Advent for the week of December 17th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get this week's podcast, and I am excited that we have made it to this third week of Advent. I really do enjoy this preparation season, as I've kind of stated a few different times. This process of getting ready for the remembrance and the second coming of Jesus, I think is quite impressive and it's one of those things in the hustle and bustle of the society and world that we're in it's nice to have something where it is about slowing down and the patience the practice the reflection on what it really means to be ready for something like this and i think that sometimes takes some time takes some practice takes moments to be able to get into. And it's one of the things that I really find enjoyable about the season. And in doing that, it allows us to be able to prepare for where God may be steering us next, but also as we're reflecting backwards, being able to look at how far we've come, which plays decently well into the question that we had for last week. As an individual or as a community, How have you allowed yourself to evolve and have succession for the future? And I think it's one of those things that we constantly are pushing ourselves to be able to do. I think it's one of those things where we have to then be able to sit down and have these moments of reflection to challenge our own understandings of things to be able to evolve. And sometimes the idea of modernism And whatever is the modern hip thing or where technology is taking us sometimes doesn't mean that the old is necessarily bad. Sometimes we look at the new and it's more complicated. And is it worth the complexity to be able to get rid of the old? And I think that's where reflection is so important in order for us to be able to reflect and be able to understand where we are being led to next. And I think that's so important. So we've definitely had some great responses kind of going along that wavelength. But one of the other things I want to shout out this week, I know I don't get a ton of responses over there, but over on LinkedIn, we had a really cool one this last week talking about how the podcast for this person has been super helpful to just in the craziness of the world and the community in which they're in to have something that is breathing some life into them. And I will have to say, it's not my own doing. It's God working through me. And it's one of the things as person doing this week after week, it's so fulfilling to be able to hear somebody being able to get something out of it and enjoying it. So I hope that you continue to enjoy. I hope that this is continuing to be something that is beneficial for everyone listening for their reflection process, especially in this Advent season. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text this week is out of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 through 11. And this is this idea, and again, it will kind of play into a little bit where we're going with the gospel this week, but the idea of how the Spirit of the Lord has been anointed upon the proclaimer here of Isaiah, but also among the people, and that God has not lost favor with these people. God 
mourns with these people. God feels for these people. And out of this, out of the rubble and the chaos of what is going on around them, the love of God will come through in that there is something that is going to bless them, something that is going to spring up, something that is going to cause the people to rejoice and give thanks to God and recognize that how God continues to work and be with his people so that they can sing praise to God. This interaction, this relationship that we see here in Isaiah that we have with God. We have alternative Psalms this week, and you'll understand here why in a second, but the first possibility is from Psalm 126, all six verses of it. And this is playing into a little bit of what that Isaiah text is talking about, the restoration of Zion, the restoration of who God has made us to be, to be filled with the Spirit, to be able to give joy and thanks, and recognizing the things that God has done, recognizing how God continues to work and restore. God is a restorer within us to be able to take us from the weeping and sowing of seed to shouts of joy and carrying the sheaves with the grain in hand. The other alternative psalm for this week is a very familiar one out of Luke chapter 1 verses 46b to 55. This is Mary's Magnificat. This is after she hears that she is going to bear the child. This is what she is stating, that she is rejoicing in the spirit that is within her to be able to be gifted with this, to recognize the power of what God has done, but also recognizing in that that this is something to fulfill what has been stated for generations and that this is then going to be able to change our relationship with God, to understand that this is not something that is being abandoned. We're not something that's an afterthought, but no, this is God coming to be ever present with us, to be active with us, to be able to show mercy and show the promise of what has been promised from Abraham and all the descendants forevermore. The second reading or the epistle text this week is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. And this I'm just going to read. It's real short. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and that may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. This idea of how we need to be able to recognize the spirit that is within us following that spirit and in that spirit remembering that God is continuing to be with us and this is something to give praise about. This is something to be joyful about. This is something that we should be thankful for. So this recognition of all of that and bringing that all together is such an important part of this text this week. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 1 verses 6 to 8 and 19 through 28. This text is going to sound similar to the one we had this last week out of Mark, but we have to remember that this is coming from John. It's a different voice, and John does not 
state, and as Caroline Lewis states in Working Preacher, never states that this is John the Baptizer. But there's definitely ways that we can kind of feel like that, but we have to recognize that this then is stating that no, this is not John the Baptizer. But it starts with that this is a man sent from God whose name is John to testify to the light that people may know who God is through this person, that they are not the light, but they came to testify to the light. And in this, then John is questioning the priests at this point. And they're stating then, how are you able to do and say these things that you are? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? And this is where John is saying, I am a voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as he is reciting back to Isaiah. And yet then they're questioning, like, why are you baptizing people? You are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor a prophet. And John responds with, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. And so it's this place of the beginning of the baptizing in the Jordan River, but also stating that this is John preparing the way, leading the way. But also you could interpret it also as John foretelling that Jesus is leading the way for us for the second time coming back, that this is something to be preparing for, something that is greater than what John is doing is coming after. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plugs for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between the Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, or commentaries, or discussions, since I'm that ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help prepare me to be able to bring you this podcast. And as I've already stated, I've already referenced it once in this podcast. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt City New Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but along with the art, prayers, hymns, colors, there's a lot of great things here, along with even just daily devotions. So, if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt City Library, I'd highly recommend that. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. Both of these resources provide insights of ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies from the upper Midwest of the United States and beyond to be able to help you connect and bring some of these things into your weekly preaching or your weekly practice of preparing for the weekly sermon. So if you haven't checked this stuff out, I'd highly recommend it. I wrote for them a couple weeks ago. They are a great partnership that we've been working on over just short of a year. It's a great resource, a lot of great information over there. I'd highly recommend checking out. And the links to that will be the first in the show notes down below. It's always interesting when you are in the season where we're kind of getting these preparing the way texts that we get before Christmas for Jesus. And there's only so many ways that we can think about it. But I think John here, especially this time, is hitting me in a little bit different way. And I think it helps us to potentially get our heads around this and understand that this is something that is very common with God. 
And if it's very common where we're seeing it outside of the human structure, that we're understanding that this is more of a characteristic of God, I think then it's something that for us helps us reframe our understanding of how to be able to give praise to God. And the simple thing for me is John constantly stating, I am not the one that you're waiting for, someone greater than I, someone who is coming, who is going to do much greater things than I. And when I started thinking about this, I think of a lot of how seeds work in our ecosystems, wherever we are in the world. Now, in order for us to make sense of this, we need to understand that there are different types of seed distribution methods. So there are a couple different ones. So first and foremost, there's wind distribution. If you've ever seen a dandelion and after its yellow flower gives way to this more white transparent where you can see the seeds and it's waiting for a big gust of wind to be able to pick these up and carry them on the wind. Or we have other ones that are will twirl down from the trees to be able to catch the wind to be able to distribute that way. So that's one way. Another one is water distribution. This is where we, again, are using water to be able to carry the seeds to a different place. So, for instance, coconuts, one of the things that we cannot crack with the coconut is where are they originated from? Where is their native lands? Because they have been designed to fall in these coastal, tropical areas and that they float on the water. And so that they've been able to get around the world quite well by using that method of seed distribution. Another one is this explosion method. There are some seeds when given some type of like wind gust or a bump or some type of interaction, even can be a raindrop, that this causes them to explode their seeds out to be able to cast them far and wide, have things to be able to help them. So like some plants like peas or flax have seed pods that dry out and once the seeds are dry, the pods will split open and it scatters the seed. This allows also, depending on the type of explosion, to be able to cast it further away to get a little bit further from the plant. So it's helping to be able to spread that further and further. We also have ones that are dependent on like fire, that at fire, like jack pines, the pine cones will actually open up and the seeds will come out because the conditions then are actually right for the seeds to grow. There's a lot of nutrients now in the soil. Now that everything's been burned back, there's less competition. It allows for those trees to have better distribution. But I think one of them that we don't give enough credit to and we need to think about quite a bit is animal dispersal. And there's a lot of different ways that this can possibly happen. Anything from like these prickery type of bushes that will stick to the fur to be able to get to a new area to eating the fruit and the seeds included and then being defecated somewhere else far, far away. Or something that's eating that them and being able to just pick it up and carry it some distance away. It's one of the great distribution methods that doesn't cost a ton of energy to the plant. All it's doing is recognizing that I'm going to have a harvest that's bigger than myself to be able to distribute. 
in this, I think it kind of gives us a little bit of insight and fortitude to understanding like how fruit works. If you think of like some type of fruit, like an orange or an apple, the seeds are in the middle and there is dual reasons for that. First and foremost, it provides this fleshy protection along with if allowed to drop and fall on the ground and to die, kind of disintegrate away, it allows for there to be nutrients for the soil of wherever that apple or orange or fruit lands to be able to be some initial nutrients as the plant then hopefully gets some water, gets some germination, and it has some nutrients right there in the soil. But it also is an opportunity for this plant to sacrifice, I guess is one way of putting it, this fruit to be eaten by another animal to be distributed somewhere else. It's that tasty outside that is allowing the bird or the bear or the squirrel or whatever to grab this, bring it somewhere, eat it, and then wherever it defecates in this case, then it has the, some nutrients from that along with that it's in a new location and hopefully a better location. Or take something like a squirrel with like a walnut where it's doing the whole stash for later method. Where yes, you're going to lose some of these nuts in order for the squirrel to be able to survive. But it's also there's going to be times where they tuck them and hide them somewhere and they forget. And when that happens, now you suddenly have potentially a new area that allows for this walnut tree or whatever to grow and be successful in a new location. It's all about taking what seems to be significant the fruit of a fruit tree is very significant to us. It's the reason that we grow them, cultivate them. We've domesticated them, controlled them so that we can be able to harvest this fruit, be able to have some control of this. But in the sacrifice of giving some of those up, it allows the potential for something greater to happen. The amount of fruit you get from an apple just by you eating it is one. But if you are able to take those seeds from that apple and grow them, the potential is much greater. More than one. We'll see that. It, but it's going to take time. An apple tree doesn't just immediately start growing or any type of citrus. It's not like it suddenly grows in the ground and immediately starts bearing fruit. And the other thing, too, is you realize with having fruit trees, you want them to have get where they get five, ten years down the line because the amount of fruit that they will produce increases exponentially compared to those first few years. I think this is partially what John is getting at. John is kind of stating and especially kind of calling out the Pharisees and the priests at this time of you guys are so focused on you and how you are fulfilling the call of what you are understanding the law to be and doing it as close to perfect as you possibly can. And that's great for you. But there is no way to be able to really distribute that through the whole community. And now you're ridiculing me because I'm trying to begin that sharing process. 
I'm trying to begin to show what the healing that we get from the Isaiah text that has been promised to these people so that these people can be able to rejoice and sing as found in the Psalms and in the Magnificat in Luke. And what we see in 1 Thessalonians, which comes after, remember, the recognition of what happened, that we should be continuing to sing this praise and that that is contagious. But this idea of what John is doing is, I am starting, I am planting seeds. The one who is going to come in and harvest, the one who is going to know when to pluck and when to take some and say, go and distribute it somewhere else with his disciples, arguably, is Jesus, the one who we know from knowing the story is coming. I think we have to get our heads around the idea that this isn't a thing just about us. And again, it's one of the things that we've talked about time and time and time again with this podcast. Faith is such a weird construct because faith is not just a personal thing. It's not just a community thing. It's both. And you need both. And you need a good mix of both. Because if you fall one way where it's all about you, you start looking kind of like a Pharisee and you're so isolated, you're missing what the body of Christ is doing. But if you're all about the body, you don't understand who God has made you to be within that body, to know your role, to be able to be an effective part within the body. And so it's this mixing of the two. It's the recognition that the fruit is both for eating, but it's also for growing. And being able to understand how many of these apples or fruits do I take off the tree and how many do I leave so that something else can take this and eat this or be able to distribute it for the seeds to be able to grow somewhere else. The recognition that that is both preparing the individual soil and the community soil. The recognition that a fruit and the decision on whether or not we eat it or wait for something else to use it, is both the individual versus community idea of faith in a nutshell. And that we have to, this difficult thing of being able to understand that at this Advent time, that we are both trying to prepare ourselves for our Advent and our Christmas season of recognizing the birth of Christ, what Christ did for us, and what that also means as we prepare for Christ to come again. And we don't know when that last part comes. But it also means, as a community, how do we prepare for the recognition of what Christ did for us and what we did that didn't deserve, we as a whole did not deserve what Christ did for us. But then also us preparing for the recognition that Christ is coming again for us. This text, I think, exemplifies the idea of how ecosystems work. If you don't have squirrels, if you don't have bears, if you don't have these things that are going to distribute plant seeds other places with fertilizer in there, the ecosystem slowly does fall apart. It's much harder for those ecosystems to be able to spread those seeds in new different locations that potentially have great conditions for them if we don't have these ones who are distributing some of that. 
And some of those seeds mean we have to just leave them so that that area can continue to have them. But some, it also means, no, they need to go somewhere else to be able to share that. It's a hard mix, but it's understanding how all of it is all connected together. John is trying to get the Pharisees and the priests out of the mindset of it's just about them. It's about the whole of the people. It's not about an individual salvation. It's salvation of the whole tribe of Israel. We, now being centuries removed from this, need to continue to wrestle and grapple with this idea that it is not just about us as the individual. And it is also, but not entirely, all about the community at large as well. It's both. We need both. We need the squirrel to make sure that the squirrel is eating some of those nuts to make sure it is fed and nourished. But the squirrel also is hoping to be able to have good bumper crops from those to be able to distribute so that other trees can grow for future generations of squirrels. That the bear comes in and eats the berries, but leaves some berries so that the berries are able to keep growing in the area that it is, but also that the bear is able to distribute them and the seeds being able to get through that digestive tract, having great fertilizer right there for them to grow and start a new place where this is growing and interacting with a new community and working together with that community. This is the preparation work that is so difficult about Advent. This is the preparation work that is so difficult in the celebration of Christ's coming and Christ's coming in the future at the same time. That tension that we are working on and trying to grapple with, it's powerful. But recognizing that this is what God intended and recognizing that we see this all over God's creation. And it's us recognizing that we fall within that as well. So, the question I have for you this week is, how are you prepared as an individual and as a community for Advent and Christmas? How, as an individual and as a community, are you preparing for Advent and Christmas? How well? How is it going? I think this is the difficult balance that we all have. Because in doing this, it's the recognition that there is stuff beyond oneself that we have to do. It's the recognition that we are part of something much greater than just humankind. It's something that we all are part of. All of God's creation is part of. That we all are working together. Sometimes, yes, it's going to be interacting with other human being to human being. And sometimes we have to do things to interact with human to nature or non-human as well. To recognize that we are all in this thing together and that we then need to hold that balance and that tension together. Because if it all becomes about just myself, why would I even care what others have to think? And if it becomes all about us, we lose our sense of self and what we mean in the sense of community. Both is important, but also recognizing whatever we are doing. There are things that are greater that God can do when we allow God to enter in and allow this tension to be at hand that we can then actually see. But it means we actually have to reflect and be able to see it. We have to pause. There's going to be times, it's not like we stated, 
the seed doesn't just immediately grow and bear fruit. It might take a long time. It might take extended periods of time. That's frustrating and that's hard. And in a world where we're used to quick answers, fast responses, that's sometimes the most difficult part of the work. We have to be patient enough and ready enough for the fruit to come. Whether it be Jesus a second time, or whether it be the spark of something coming together in someone's eye, or whether it be the healing of an area or a community at large. It's all in that. It's all in that. Recognizing that it takes the softening of hearts, what John is doing here, to prepare us and the reminder to keep the soil soft, keep praying, keep rejoicing, keep being thankful, and recognizing how this tension is needed for us to be able to be the people who God has called us to be. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.